Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome to the Go 24-7 podcast. And for LSU fans, it is a happy Friday. A big sigh of relief. Our man Glenn West over there in Omaha. He joins me here on the day's podcast. Glenn, deep breath. Wow. You get to collect a little bit before you head off to uh, media coverage and press conferences here this uh, morning, this uh, around noon. But what a week in Omaha. Uh, First off, Glenn, I want to say this. Happy belated birthday. And I want to give you a chance to to go into this before we get into the nitty-gritty of these games. Look. I know you cover LSU, obviously, but I know you grew up in the state of Louisiana. I know that you went to LSU. What were the emotions like a little bit watching this game? Did you ever, did ever the young Glenn West, uh, was was he just like kicking and screaming when uh, Tommy White hits this home run that sends LSU to the finals? Yeah, I mean, look, it's kind of a, a catch-22 because, you know, as a media guy, you kind of get the – I guess the fandom quote unquote kind of beat out of you kind of just throughout your career and um, getting to follow all these teams, knowing that you can't get too high or too low. Um, But last night was just all that was out the window. It was really hard to keep your emotions in check. And that was the case for a lot of people in that press box. And certainly for a lot of the people uh, that were there getting to watch that. I mean, that was um, in terms of sporting events, that's going to be right up there with ones that I'll remember for uh, you know a long time. Um, it, it, I, I can't imagine that there's a whole lot of LSU baseball games that uh, fans have watched over the years that just uh, you know, in terms of execution, in terms of just the, uh, the, 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 the drama of it all, the, the, the excitement of the, the final you know, hit there from Tommy White. I mean, just – everything it was just really a, a an emotional kind of roller coaster um you get just amazing performances from paul Skeens, from rhett louder from thatcher heard um a lot of the bullpen from from wake forest stepped up and did its job and it, as the game kind of went along you just felt like this was heading for extras it's just you just kind of got that feeling that the first team to make a mistake it was was going to be the one that just didn't get a chance to, to to move on, and it was it was difficult. I mean, you could see it in um, even in, after the game. Tommy White, you know, one of the first things that he did after celebrating with his team was walk over to the Wake Forest pitcher and give him a hug. And I know they had some history and that they mm-hmm. kind of knew each other growing up, but that that's the kind of game where nobody like the loser isn't a loser kind of thing. Like they, yeah. it's, there's, there's really, there's, there's, there's really nothing, uh, nothing more to say about that part just because um, it, it was such a well executed, clean game. Um, and, and just, just really a phenomenal day, I think for, for college baseball. So, um, but with that being said, she did a lot of really good things in this game. Uh, they've done a lot of really good things the last week uh, to kind of put themselves in this position um you've you've now you know you burned Paul Skeens in all likelihood I would be very surprised if he's able to pitch um during this Florida series um so you're 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 kind of you know kind of hit with a blast from the past year of just um you know six years ago this was the same matchup LSU Mm -hmm. uh Florida and LSU kind of had it was in a position where they couldn't use Alex Lang uh until the final final game of that series um, they're going to have to continue to hope that this pitching staff steps up. They've been absolutely phenomenal uh, throughout the entire postseason run, but particularly here in Omaha, was re- reading his stats and, and just kind of going through uh, some research and everything. 
LSU's pitching staff has thrown 46 innings um, in, in Omaha. They haven't allowed a run in 42 of them. And wow. they have a, uh, I believe it's a right under a 1.70 ERA uh, when you factor in the Wake Forest game from, from Thursday night. Um, these guys are pitching at a very, very high level. Um, the offense is taking a little bit of time, um, you know, especially last night when you're facing such elite pitching. Um, but just to be able to get those those hits and to be able to get those runs when you need them there in the end um, was was all uh, really really important. And, and and LSU's now moving on here with two wins away from from winning its first College World Series in uh, like 15 years. It's been it's been a while. Yeah, and it's absolutely crazy and a little bit poetic that the big guys were able to get the job done. Uh, look, you mentioned it earlier. This. If you if you were able to take a step back, and I know it's so hard for the people who listen to this podcast and watch it, maybe years down the road, the two guys that we saw pitch last night are, are going to be major league pitchers. I mean, these guys were phenomenal. Obviously, we know what Skeens was, but Louder's work, uh, albeit a, a different uh, velocity, but man, just hitting hitting corners, being able to move east to west, north to south, wherever he wanted to go, and, and fooling LSU's hitters, it was a great job. But you mentioned the shutout. I think it's up to like almost 19 consecutive shutout innings that this LSU yeah. staff has pitched. Uh, Glenn, talk about the job done. I mean, I've got it right here. We saw Skeens go eight innings, two hits, one walk, nine Ks. But then, I mean, look, you kind of grow to expect that out of Paul Skeens. But then Thatcher Hurd came down there, just one hit, one walk allowed, and three crucial shutout innings, uh, especially that carried LSU to the win. Talk about the pitching performance kind of then. And then, I mean, obviously we have to mention Riley Cooper uh, and the job that he did. It's just, it's kind of crazy. But look, you need performances like this if you're going to win a championship. Every single championship team has uh, those kind of guys that just kind of not come out of nowhere, but really step up on the big stage. Yeah, and look, you needed it to happen because of the situation that LSU was in. You know, they win the first game against Tennessee. Uh, you're, you're feeling good about yourself in the winner's bracket, and then you drop that first, that second game to Wake Forest, uh, and all of a sudden you have a real uphill climb to make. And so to win three games in three days, what you really need to do is have elite pitching performances. Um, and, and starting with Nate Ackenhausen in that first game, mm um or uh yeah yeah Nate Ackenhausen he just came in and did a tremendous job uh I mean th th there was just real honest surprise I think throughout that outing that uh that he was doing what he did to get into the seventh inning as a relief pitcher he hadn't gone that that deep in a game all season long um and then the next game you get you know a, an inning a scoreless inning out of uh Javen Coleman you get four and a third out of Griffin Herring and, and certainly Riley Cooper kind of shuts down that game as well. Uh, Cooper pitches in the first and three of the first four games for you and just does a lights out job. You can see why Jay Johnson's trust in him never wavered. Uh, even with some of the struggles this year from the bullpen LSU, uh, you know, really routinely turned to, to Riley Cooper in big spots. And, 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 and cause I think that Jay Johnson knew, um, that if LSU was to get to this point, they were going to need him to respond in a big way. Uh, and boy, has he. I mean, I think, you know, maybe outside of, you know, Trey Morgan and a couple of the performances, mm -hmm. obviously, from Paul Skeens, I, I don't know that you've had a more reliable player um, for, for LSU during this postseason run than Riley Cooper. I mean, he's just been tremendous. Um, and, then, and then obviously last night, which you get from Skeens and, and and certainly from from Thatcher Hurd to go to the final three innings there and to shut that game down. Um, just a really 
uh, like what like we just talked about, just a stellar, stellar pitching performance here in Omaha. Um, those guys are striking guys out. They're throwing strikes. I think that's the biggest thing that you've noticed here. Even, you know, we've talked about the ballpark a little bit and how it's not exactly hitter friendly, and that's certainly been the case. Um, but you still have to throw the ball over the plate. And I think the, the reason that you've seen um, LSU have so much success on the mound is that they've thrown strikes. They've limited free passes. Um, Alex Malazzo has done a great job of setting up pitches behind the plate. I think that's a big reason why you're seeing him out here in these really crucial critical games um, just because of the the, the strike zones and, and how tight they are and how you need your best defensive catcher back there to really set those pitches up and um, you know give give those pitchers confidence and so um, it's just been a complete group effort um, but but I, I would you know I would argue that the pitching staff in a lot of ways has carried LSU through this uh, college World Series run and that's something that I definitely wouldn't have said uh, five or six weeks ago. Uh, and it's just a testament to those guys and how quickly they've turned things around. Yeah, how many times do we say, Glenn, whether it's uh, on the podcast or just talking in conversation, yeah, if LSU's going to win, you know, they're going to have to hit their way there. And, uh, man, they just have proved us exactly wrong. But that's the beauty of this sport and the beauty of baseball. Uh, Five total hits, and four of those five hits, Glenn, come out of the top two guys in last night's win. Dylan Cruz with two, the all-important laser, uh, the single that – nearly turned into a double that obviously got him on. And then Tommy White with just a no-doubt shot. Uh, and you talked about it. I mean, look, that ballpark is cavernous. I mean, it is huge. And uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to kind of walk around and see the facility or anything like that. I mean, is it a surprise that some of these baseballs are not getting out? I know Cruz has had a couple that you felt like could get out. He did have the one that he sent opposite field. But for Tommy White to hit his as no doubt as he did – I mean, that just shows you, obviously, fans know how strong he is and how much exit velo he put on that baseball. He's got elite power. I think we all know that. Dylan Cruz has got great power. They have a lot of lot of hitters in this lineup with great power. Um, but you're not getting anything over the fence unless it's a pull shot to the left or right side. Um, you know, you're, you're, um, anything hit in the, you know, dead center, left center, right center, um, that, that all has been kind of – you know, wrangled in for, by the wind, by the conditions. Um, you're not getting that over if you're hitting it into left center uh, or right center and just deep center. Um, you know, and, and, and look, yeah, Beloso's three-run homer uh, against Wake Forest on uh, – I'm trying to put my days together here. Wednesday, <laughs> I think that was right. Um, you know, he, he that was a pull shot that just barely yeah. got over the fence, and that thing was nuked. And then Tommy's last night just barely got Jeez. over the fence, and that one was really hit – very, very well. I mean, uh, I don't know exactly what the exit below was on that home run hit from White last night, but I would imagine it's over 110, 112. I mean, it's uh, it's amazing how, um, you know, and, and look, for LSU's offense, like that was a huge part of how they got here in the first place. I mean, I, I think I did the the math on it. They had something like 19 home runs in the, in the regional, super regional rounds. Um, and that accounted for a good portion of their runs that they scored in those in those two uh, postseason rounds. And so, when you get here and you you know kind of see here the first couple games that it's going to be one of those deals where you're not going to be hitting a whole ton of home runs. I think you can see why the offense has kind of had a little bit of a up and down time here, um, but they've they've come through when they've when when it's needed most. You know they've they've done a good job of getting those clutch hits uh, at different times of the game and. Uh, to the pitching staff's credit, man, they, they've been able to 
really hold down opposing offenses. And certainly I think a lot of that has to do with the the field, but uh, even more so just the, the, the these guys being able to throw strikes um, and, and get guys out uh, and force those pop flies, those, those soft grounders. Um, all these guys that have pitched in Omaha uh, have done a really, really nice job. And the you know, offenses come through when you've needed them. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search... The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meats. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. Yeah, and it's you had to have historic performances like we talked about, and LSU has done just that. Uh, man, it looked bleak, uh, but the the willpower and something we're going to talk about here, the ready to be – I mean, the battle-tested readiness, I guess. I, that's a word. We're just going to say it is. But yeah. the ability to be battle-tested, uh, it sets them up for a Florida series that, Glenn, I mean, look – Obviously, the broadcast continued to say it, and I'm not going to say I disagree with it. Like, Florida loved what happened last night because no matter who they got, they probably weren't going to have to face an ace. Um, And so, obviously, they loved it, but there's an element to me when you look at this LSU team of, look, when you're playing with house money and you're just playing hot, uh, like we talked about Oral Roberts coming into the tournament. I mean, LSU is kind of that situation where it's like, you, where's the divide between, hey, we just want to keep playing because we're playing so well. I mean, is this off day the worst thing that could happen to LSU? It kind of cools them off a little bit. How do they oh, manage this? I, I think that they're going to be embracing this off day with everything <laughs> they got. I mean, look, you just played three high-intensity, high-stakes, high-emotions games in a row, uh, and that's got to take a toll on you, especially yeah. if you were some of those guys playing in the field all three games. Um, I mean – Look, I, I, I forgot to mention him earlier, but I, I would argue that Trey Morgan's probably had the best College World oh, Series wow. of any player that's here. Like, I mean, he's just been so, so good. He, I think he's been the catalyst for LSU this entire uh, last week or so. Um, not only at the plate where I think he's batting well over 330 with a couple RBIs and a home run mixed in there as well, a um, couple of walks. Uh, but what he's done defensively in terms of making all the plays at first, that bunt, I mean, that bunt play from last night is going to be something that, like, that 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 will be played on highlight reels at LSU and Alex Box yeah. Stadium for a very long time. Um, it saved their season. I mean, like, if, if he doesn't make that play right there, mm-hmm. um, LSU, I mean, they, they don't go on to score in the ninth inning. So, I mean, that's um, – you know, that, that would have been the game. So, um, that play, you know, and I think that – his his kind of play throughout the postseason run has been, I think, just kind of the the mindset that I think all these guys have had. They don't consider it as they're playing with house money. They 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 think they want to they deserve to be here and that they yeah. have earned the right to, to win these games and uh, through their play. And so um, I, I think that you know, look, it was it was um, you know it was important for LSU to kind of 
now have this day, I think, to kind of settle down, especially after last night. I mean, just being on the field, the the emotions and the, the just the jubilation and all the stuff that came with uh, a game that ended like that. You've got to kind of reset a little bit. I mean, I, I think it's 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 got to be important for LSU to kind of get their minds right. You know, they they talked about a lot of the players talked about last night of enjoying this, and um, and then once you know midnight hits, it's the the flitch, the, the switch starts to flip, and so mm-hmm. that's been their mindset all season long, taking it one game at a time, um, and and here they are. I mean, it, it's it's pretty incredible that they've made it to this point. Uh, considering some of the injuries, considering some of the adversity, whether it's losing the game earlier this week and having to win three straight, um, you know, having to now, you know, looks like you're not going to have probably your ace pitcher here for this championship series, how they, you know, who steps up, you know, from, from that perspective uh, is going to be a really interesting kind of question here. Um, and then, you know, look, just, just, I think the overall feeling here is that, um, these guys deserve it and that they want to be here. They've earned the right to be in this position. Uh, and now they're two wins away from accomplishing their, their goal that they had all the way back in the fall. Yeah. And I want to talk a little bit about the pitching and how it could match up because obviously you've mentioned, and, and let's just get this out of the way. Yes or no question. Is there any chance Monday in the eighth inning, that we could see Paul Skeens. Like, if it's a close game, I mean, what does that look like? Now, we'll talk about Saturday, Sunday, but is there any chance Paul Skeens pitches, not starts potentially, but obviously, yeah. I mean, but but in a relief role, maybe needing, you know, six outs to close it out? If you get to a game three uh, and you get to the final eight, ninth inning, um, I think there would be a serious conversation about that. I, I don't mm-hmm. know that that it happens, Um I think LSU has a couple of guys, Riley Cooper, that they could feel really, uh, you know, Gavin Gidry could feel really good about getting the final, you know, five, six outs of a game. Um, but if Paul Skeens feels like he's ready and if he has those conversations with Jay Johnson, with Wes Johnson, with the training staff, I, I wouldn't be the one to want to stand in the way of that dude. Um, <laughs> but, you know, look, they're going to protect him. Uh, they've done it yeah. all season long. Uh, they're not going to put him in any compromising positions. So I think if you get to a game three, if that's something that happens uh, and you're kind of in a position here late where you are have a chance to win the game, um, I could certainly see it, uh, but I'm not going to bet on it. I, I yeah. think that there's just a lot of other options out there for you, and uh, LSU is going to be very, very careful with how they, they, they use him. Yeah, I like what you said there. It's not like they're in a situation where they don't have a guy that can go shut the door. That's one thing that they found, especially over here the last couple of days. Uh, you correct me if I'm wrong here. I mean, does it look like it's going to be Ty Floyd on Saturday and then maybe an Ackenhausen on Sunday? I mean, is that kind of guys at least will open the game up? Uh, and then kind of where do you think they go from there? Maybe not for Monday, but maybe what could we see after Ty Floyd? Is there a certain way they want to kind of match the, match up this thing out against Florida? Yeah, I think so. I think you're going to start with Ty Floyd, um, and and then I think what you're probably looking at is uh, a combination of uh, Gavin Gidry, Riley Cooper. Um, I think those are probably the three that you see in the first game, um, depending on how far Ty can go. I mean, Ty only was able to go, I think, three innings, four innings in the first four game. Innings. Yeah, four. Um, and 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 they had to turn the ball over to to all those guys in, in the bullpen afterwards. But um, yeah, I, I would certainly assume that it's going to be some combination of those three at least to start. Um, see kind of where you're at at the end of that game. 
Um, and then, you know, I, I, it's going to be another one of those games where there's a tough decision because Ackenhausen just threw six, seven innings um, in, in that game mm-hmm. a couple nights ago on, on, on Tuesday. Um, he, he threw his longest outing of his career. I mean, like, do you really want to, you know, all of a sudden now Tuesday to Sunday um, – bring him back out and ask for another similar kind of performance. That's kind of a short turnaround as well. So I think there's going to be some interesting discussions there about that Sunday game. Um, I think maybe whoever you don't get to um, on Saturday, you just kind of piece it together uh, with, with, whether it's with uh, Coleman and, 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 and Ackenhausen and um, some of these other guys, Blake money might get an inning or two here and there. Um, Certainly Griffin Herring makes a lot of sense. You know, he threw four and a third, but um, I think you could certainly bring him back on Sunday for a couple innings. So there are going to be some options, um, but, Mm -hmm. you know, this is going to come down to, you know, in my opinion, just LSU's, uh, you know, this is going to have to be a a two two or three game series where LSU's offense is really going to have to step up. I mean, I I really truly believe that. I think the pitching staff has shown you that they can help, you know, weather the storm and they can certainly – clamp teams down um but you know you're, you're going to be pitching on fumes here in these last couple games and and you know florida's going to be pretty well rested they're going to throw their top guys um lsu's offense is going to have to respond they can't you know be putting up two three runs i think you're going to have to have a five six seven eight run kind of game uh to be able to uh to walk out of this thing with with uh with with uh with the ring Glenn, as we wrap it up here, I kind of want to give you this uh, the question. You could play devil's advocate with it. You can you can agree, but I want to know where do you draw the line of the balance? There's one argument that obviously says, look, LSU's faced some really good pitching in Omaha, and when you get here, everyone can really pitch, and it's going to result in offenses not putting up the numbers maybe they do necessarily during the regular season. But there's also an element of what we talked about. This has been by and far feels like the best offense in the country. So where do you put the balance of – LSU hasn't necessarily offense hasn't lived up to where they need to, and they've just faced good pitching. Where do you put the balance in that? And you mentioned it kind of they're going to have to do something maybe they haven't shown us yet uh, in Omaha outside of maybe the Tennessee game where they were able to scratch across five runs. Yeah, I mean the one thing that I'll say, and 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 I'll 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 push back a little bit on something that I've said already in this podcast, but just <laughs> they, they faced the two toughest pitching staffs in the country in, in all of their games. I mean Tennessee yeah. and Wake Forest they have some dudes. I mean, they have a bunch of guys that are going to be first, second round picks that are going to be playing major league baseball. And so it's not necessarily a bad thing that LSU's had an up and down uh, performance in Omaha Mm -hmm. at all, because what they've done uh, is, is win games at the most timely moments uh, and come through with some big hits uh, when, when, when the, when the teams needed them most. And that's been a really good formula that's worked so far. Um, but I think you're just going to need a, a, to step up a little bit more here against Florida. I mean, Florida is going to be, like I said, well-rested. I think you've got to be able to um, to push the ball, to get guys on base, to run up pitch counts, um, you know, get, get, get into the bullpen a little bit and see if you can't have uh, some more success through, through, through that avenue. Um, but, you know, look, this is also a Florida staff. You know, Halston Raldrip is a guy that LSU is very familiar with at Southern Miss. Shot him down twice last year in the, in the regional uh, in, in Southern Miss, so um, it's going to be it's going to be tough. It's going to be not an easy uh, kind of um, you know next couple days. Uh, I think it's going to be really about getting right mentally, 
getting a little bit more of rest on your body before you have to start back up here with another high intensity game. Um, but look, it, it's I think LSU's offense and just the way that they have been able to come through at the right time has been the most impressive part about all this because you're facing like like I said, I mean, Rhett Louder is a really good pitcher. Drew Beam's yeah. a really good pitcher who's going to pitch in the major leagues for a long time. Um, you know, you, you you got a chance at Andrew Lindsay in the first game. You were able to knock him out early against Tennessee, and um, you know all these guys. Michael Massey from last night. You know, he mm-hmm. they, these are all guys that are going to be big time, big time pitchers. Um, and yes, LSU hasn't had the, the most consistent time, um, but they've come through when they've needed it most. And so uh, I think if you kind of you know, run with that and hope that that continues, then you're going to be in a good spot here, uh, you know, going into the Florida series. And we're going to, they're going to leave it all on the table. I was talking with Trey Morgan last night, talking with Kate Beloso last night. Their mentality hasn't changed at all. I mean, those guys are just absolutely locked in, laser focused on, on getting this thing done. This has been, you know, one interesting story that I heard yesterday from Jay Johnson that he talked about with the media. Um, when LSU lost the game on Tuesday, um, uh, he kind of he, – he went to the team – or no, when, when did they lose that first game to Wake Forest? Maybe it was Monday. I, I, I can't remember, but <laughs> the, I think yeah. it was Monday. Yeah, it was Monday. And Monday. so when they lost that game, uh, he came into the dugout, came into the locker room or the meet, uh, the meeting room where they have, and on the whiteboard there, he wrote down Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And those are all the games that LSU – could potentially play or would need to play in order to win a college world series. And so when they got to the Monday game, he put one game, one ring national championship, LSU, something like that. And LSU. And he, he, he asked the players simply, do you guys know what we're, we're going in for here? And they said, they all said yes. And they walked out and they said, let's go to the field and let's go win a game. And so Hmm. uh, they've, they've really kind of, uh, you know, reinst- reinstilled that that belief that they could do this. They've gotten three games done. They got two more to go. Um, we'll see if they can pull it out. But um, certainly, uh, I think this is a team that's riding high with a lot of confidence, a lot of momentum. Uh, and if you can get a little bit more consistency from the offense and continue what you're doing at the mound, I think LSU's going to be in for some really, really good news. Yeah, that's really cool, Glenn. The ability to compartmentalize each and every single day. Uh, something that championship teams have to do, and we're going to see if LSU can do it this weekend. Glenn, I know you're enjoying Omaha. Any great stories? I know you saw you had a steak. I mean, any just off the off topic stories that uh, that folks may not know, or what, what's the coolest thing you've done yet, other other than yeah. watch last night's game, obviously. Yeah, had some good food. <laughs> uh, honestly, I, I yeah, I've been pretty stick, pretty much sticking with the hotel to the to the uh, the field kind of routine. Uh, but a couple days ago. I got a chance to sit down with a couple of the parents and spend uh, some time out there with them tailgating and, and just for a story that we're working on over here. Um, still want to get some more parents involved, um, but just listening to what they've had to say about the 2023 season, the memories that they've had watching their kids play, um, you know, watching all the, the, the fans come out and, and show all the support for the team. Um, you know, that, that, that stuff is really, really interesting to kind of get a behind the scenes mm-hmm. lens of, just kind of what it's like to be a, you know, a parent watching all this happen as well. And those are obviously very, you know, pe- those are people that are very tight knit with the, with, with this group as well. So um, I, I would say that's probably been my favorite part so far, uh, you know, and, and then, then some food, some various food options too. We had some ice cream a couple of days ago in a nice little local spot and 
uh, some good Italian food, and then obviously you have to go with the steak. I mean, there was some a really good steak called the Drover. Great, great place called the Drover out here. That's kind of the rite of passage that you have to go to when you're in Omaha. So we did that a couple days ago as well. Um, but yeah, it's it's been a really it's been a blast, and and they they keep they keep forcing me to extend my hotel stay, which is nice. I've been making really good uh, friends with the the front desk of the hotel and of the the car rental service. So, uh, but you know, it's it's all worth it, and it's all been a ton of fun, and I uh, can't wait for this uh, for this final series. Hey, you never know. Part of the lore of LSU can pull this off is going to be you in the minivan. I mean, maybe that, maybe that just is what 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 is needed. But hey, it's going to be a lot of fun. Great weekend. Obviously, a matchup that we didn't get to see during the regular season. That I think everyone across the country is really excited to see Florida against LSU, the rematch of back in 2017. Here's hoping the Tigers can change the tide. And uh, man, any uh, any odds that are not in their favor, I think that this team's playing well, and anything can happen once they get to Saturday. Glenn, appreciate you as always. This has been the Go Twenty Four Seven Podcast. My name is Bryce Coon. Glenn West, live from Omaha. He's going to have coverage all weekend long, and it's going to be a ton of fun. We can encourage you. The boards have been active. Uh, it's been a ton of fun to talk with fans throughout all of this. Uh, agree or disagree? It's been a lot of fun talking with fans over on the boards, and uh, man, can't wait for Saturday. And I'll tell you one thing. Glenn still have only been in Baton Rouge for two weeks, but the it's been really cool from my vantage point. You know, if I go out and need to run an errand, or last night I went out and picked up some dinner before the wife and I were watching the game, just the amount of purple and gold and everyone just so excited back home, the people that don't get to make the trip and being able to see what uh, what's exciting. It's, it's, it's really fun. It's unlike any other place. So I know that a lot of fans back here in Baton Rouge are really excited to see what's going on. But Glenn, appreciate you as always, man. We'll listen to, uh, hopefully, a championship podcast uh, next week. This has been another episode of the Go 24-7 Podcast. Make sure to like, subscribe on YouTube, or if you're listening on audio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever it is, we'll catch you next time here on the Go 24-7 Podcast.